everybody, welcome back. Now, if you're listening to us on well, Global Star Radio Network, uh, welcome to hour number two. Thanks for joining us. If you're listening to us on KYH, this is a continuation of the interview that we started yesterday with Wrecker, federal law enforcement agent, and we're getting his perspective on the current crisis and some of the operational options that are open to the government and the challenges that lie ahead as he sees them. And he's got an inside seat. So you're getting really rare and valuable and useful information here. Um, And obviously with uh, Megaphone, we'll split this up into two parts. And YouTube, it'll be split up into two parts. So I I hope that helps everybody. And you're saying, well, who is this raving lunatic here? My name's Dave Hodges. And you're listening to The Common Sense Show. And we're the show that's freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. And if you miss part one or hour one, you're going to want to catch it in reverse very, very informative about sacrificing rights for crises, who's behind uh, sacrifices that are out of line with the crisis that we're facing, and what do they gain by this. And uh, so we were kind of all over the map with the different options and players that are there, because this is a multi-dimensional issue. This isn't a one versus two, A versus B, red versus blue. This is multi-dimensional, and it's really hard to put your head around it. But I think Record did a pretty good job. Actually, he did a really good job in the first hour or the first day of this presentation. Now we're going to move into part two. And, and Record, I'm sure you've got your, your list here, but I'd like to bottom line this and then kind of work our way up from there to a, a message of hope. Let's go to the bottom line. In your estimation, and when you say man, I just hope it doesn't go down like this. What's the worst case scenario we're looking at? And you can approach that from a pathogenic standpoint, a civil unrest standpoint. You can take it wherever you want. What's the worst fear that you have? Well, Dave, the worst fear, if we're going to speak about the virus, is that America could potentially see and the numbers are all over the place, as you and I both well know. Exactly. Uh, I've, I've heard a, a projected 300,000 deaths. I've heard that this uh, pandemic could last a year to three years. It could be something that comes around as much as the flu season does. Uh, so that would be very detrimental to the health of Americans. And then you have the fear and panic part which may actually end up being a good thing. In the long run, this caught a lot of Americans off guard. I hope this is a shining example for why you should stay prepared and why you should tell others, like the children that you're raising, why they should be prepared. Just like my grandparents who went through uh, the Great Depression, you know, they were in that mindset of being prepared. And then through my father to me, it, it was kind of here and there, even though we lived in Hurricane Alley. Uh, you were prepared for the hurricanes and the floods, but not for the pandemic. And so it's something that we never really you know, had to respond to on a national level. But at least now, Americans should know I should have a gun. I should have training on that gun. I should have plenty of ammo. I should have plenty of water, ways to disinfect water, and I should have plenty of food and medical supplies stored up. And it wouldn't hurt to have a little bit of training on all of those things. 
I hope that this spawns a new generation of preppers, not the crazy conspiracy theorists that were on doomsday preppers, uh, which I used to always laugh at. Um, some of them were, were very good. Some of them were just so out of touch with reality that it was laughable, but it made for good TV. Uh, newsflash, we do not live in TV land, and millions of Americans are being affected by this. You know, there's a lot of people who own those mom-and-pop stores or who live paycheck by paycheck and never really stored up any funds, and now they're scrambling for money, and many of them are going to be dependent upon the government. You do not want to be dependent upon the government. <laughs> not on this no, government, no. not on the previous government, yep. period. Yeah, you want to stay prepared. You like historical examples. Let's jump in there. How about Stalin, Hitler, and Mao? People were dependent on the government. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not like Stalin didn't put, what, 20 million, 30 million of his own people in the gulag, eventually. Uh, don't forget World War II. Russia was our ally in some strange way. Though Patton wanted to keep on pressing and drive the Russians completely back to Russia. Uh, you know, it's... it's well, what happened to Patton... Uh, record before we go further, what happened to Patton? Well, he may or may not have been assassinated. Yeah, I think he was. I'm pretty clear on that point. And that's because uh, the globalists didn't want that view out there. They wanted to perpetuate a Cold War so the military-industrial complexes and the banks could make money. Yeah, you know, it's strange. Uh, Trump recently brought that up about the military-industrial complex. There is a need for these elitists these mega corporations to always have a war so that they're always selling their products of war. If you continually sell products of war, you will give people the ability to wage war. And I'm not a proponent for war. I don't, I've been in war. It's not, it's not cool. It's not fun. It's not, there's some humorous times in it, but it's not something that you want to go through as a nation like Iraq. Man, when I was in Iraq, I used to always think, this will never happen in America. We'll never be brought low. Or was I wrong? A pandemic did it to us. You know, we're not there yet, but you're feeling people, if you go out in the town, you're, you're feeling that stress. Uh, you can cut it with a knife, just how stressed people are. And it's something that I personally won't, don't want my children to go through, so I will stay prepared, and I'll make sure that my children are prepared for this. Uh, you know, that's why I believe in, you know, everyone should have a little hobby farm. You should be able to have at least part of your grocery shopping done in your backyard. You know, that, that's another extra cushion, a buffer that you have that you don't have to rely upon the government or the state to give you. Well, let me, let me play uh, devil's advocate with that last statement. Now, where I live in Arizona, oh, man, the, the, the massive rain that we've had with the sunshine now, uh, we've got more than we can eat, and we're storing like crazy, and it's wonderful. But what if I live in a place where there's only a four-month growing season, or I'm in an apartment? What kind of options would I have? Well, there are things like aeroponics. Uh, I can't recall the name of the company, but I know uh, me and my wife are considering buying one. It's a, it's a pot that has a water pump in it that pumps water up to the top, that sprinkles water back down, and you're able to grow vegetables all year round 
in a controlled environment, away from the bugs. You can put some UV lamps in there to help, you know, grow as well. And that's something you can just, you know, walk a couple feet to, pluck a couple of leaves or some tomatoes or whatever you need, and you're growing it. You're eating it. Mike Adams is already planting onions and potatoes in five-gallon buckets. You know, for some of these root vegetables, it takes four to six months for them to fully germinate to the point that you can actually pull it out and harvest. So if you were going to do that in theory, you could start that now. And when the winter happens, when it's not, you're not able to go outside and grow very many things, those vegetables are there for you. And you can have chicken. Uh, some people don't know this. A chicken's easy to take care of. They'll produce one to two eggs a day once they're at egg, an egg-laying age. And you're going to get about eight grams of protein out of that. If you're a full-grown man, and you weigh about 180 to 190 to a pound, you need one pound of protein per body weight a day once times get really hard for you to be sufficient. You know, if you are in a, let's say if we're in a doomsday landscape that people like to constantly believe we're going to go to, uh, not saying that can't happen, but a lot of people live in that life every day doomsday, you're going to need a lot of calories. You're not going to get those good calories from MREs and from freeze-dried food. You need living food. You know, so a chicken, one egg a day, you can have a couple chickens, give you a couple eggs. You can have a duck. A duck has twice the amount of vitamins and nutrients in their egg, and it has twice the size of protein. A turkey has twice the size of that. So, you know, poultry is a good way to be able to have that protein. Rabbits are an amazing way to have protein. They reproduce so fast, you, you know, you're just going to get tired of the taste of rabbit, but it's a constant source of food that you don't have to go shoot for, you don't have to expose yourself for, and you don't have to pay for. You know, those, are, those are very simple things that you can control in your backyard, and as long as you're HOA or your apartment or whatever, uh, if you're in that condition, will allow you to have it, you can have it, or just not tell anybody. Uh, you know, there are ways that you can prepare. And one thing that I think a lot of people discount is the ability to purify water. If you get any type of intestinal parasite because you do not have purified water, you're in a world of hurt. And if you don't have the proper medication, and if, you know, if you can't even go to the hospital because all the beds are filled with coronavirus victims, you can't get your proper antibodies, the hospitals are turning you away like what is happening right now you need to know what kind of proper uh, medicines that you can take that are herbal as well you know most people don't know this I recently learned this uh, from my wife you can ingest diametaceous earth to get rid of some parasitic organisms it doesn't hurt you and it kills them you can also feed them to your cat to your dog to your livestock and it helps get rid of intestinal worms. And some people think, will think, well, intestinal worms, this is America. I'll never have that problem. There are people in America right now with that problem. There are people in third world countries who have lived with that problem. How do they get rid of it? You know, they, they don't go to the dock in a box because a lot of these countries don't have it. So they had to learn how to use what God provided Earth in order to get rid of these bugs. 
Uh, there's some really good books out there. I I have a treasure trove of books for survival. You know, I and I, every now and then I get bored, I'll reread one of them, and I just always sit back and I go, "Damn, I forgot about that." I'm so glad I have this book. I'm so glad I spent twenty dollars and I have this book because now I know where I need to go outside and forage for what plant or what flowers or whatever to get those type of herbs in order to get rid of these parasitic organisms or viruses or bacteria. I mean, it's amazing. You know, most of our medicines are made out of plants, but yet it's also all coming from China right now. It's trying to hold that over our heads to negotiate with tariffs. So America already put ourselves in a world of hurt by letting that go. I want to say something on that. I think it was you and I who discussed this. But what would happen if someone from the Pentagon approached the Department of Defense and said, hey, we're going to outsource all munitions production to Russia and China and Iran? Oh, I'm sorry. That's so ridiculous. I tried to control myself, but I couldn't. Right. <laughs> That's right. ridiculous. Well, the gen- the, the, yeah, the generals would probably go, will someone find a stick and beat that man? Get him out of here. We do not need that talking here. Well, the same medication that the military needs, that the doctors that you go to see need, are all produced in the same communist country where this virus broke out at, that we're in a trade war with, and are trying to negotiate with us, lift the tariffs, and we'll give you your antibodies. It's asinine to me. And I know President Trump is trying to make it where in America we can bring those products back here. Because, man, you talk about an Achilles heel. You know, we used to always say it was our power. And, and, you know, to a better point, it is the power. If we don't have electricity, we're screwed as a country. But also, if you can't fight off the basic viruses or bacteria with some sort of medication, well, what do you do? I mean, Dave, most toilet paper is made in China. Yeah, I, I hope China has a lot of toilet paper. <laughs> That's all I can say on that one. Uh, but what, what else you got? What's another question? Well, that was a, a big one, a really big one. Um, what about communications? Have you given any thought to that? So communications, in my mind, should start from your home and spread outward. It's great to have a ham radio operating license and the radio to go with it. It's great to have portable radios. It's great to have that dual band radio where you can listen to the different news agencies. But if you don't get out and even talk to your neighbor, how do you know that's not Hannibal Lecter across the street from you when prophecy hits the fan? Get out and talk to people. Make a network. When, when we talk about communication, we're talking about a network. And this network, and me and Bob Griswold talk about this a lot, it's constantly an intelligence-gathering apparatus. You're always wanting to gather intelligence. And once you have said intelligence, you can then disseminate intelligence to people that you know and trust, or even to the elderly couple down the street that you know barely get out. Hey, just in case you didn't know, because I know you don't have a cell phone, or a, uh, a computer, this is going on. If you need anything, this is my phone number. 
please let me know. And if you hear any, you know, weird sounds at night or see people you don't know, give me a call. I'll go out there. Uh, you know, Stuart Rhodes and I have recently been talking a lot about volunteerism and setting up neighborhood watches. In a time like this, if you live in a suburb or if you live out in the country, a neighborhood watch may just save your life because we haven't seen the rioting and looting yet. Though I've been told in some places, looting is happening. We haven't rioted yet, though. And once the rioting starts, all kinds of bad things happen and follow. Uh, you just have to go back and watch Baltimore, New York, and Ferguson, Missouri, or the L.A. riots in order to know what I'm talking about. But, you know, your common neighborhood watch. Hey, man, if it's 2 in the morning and it's your watch, your community is relying upon you to be awake, to be roving around, and what you're doing is you are trying to disperse any criminal activity that's happening. You're trying to gather intelligence, and you're looking after not just your home, but other homes. And that builds confidence within your own people that you're trying to network in. You put stock into people, they'll put stock back in you. But if you stay inside your home and hide the entire time, don't expect people to come and save you. you know, get out and meet people. Right now, the, you know, if it wasn't for the fact that they put out this stay-in-your-home order, which I think is so stupid, uh, this would be a great time to get out and know your neighbor. That's true. You never know. You never know when there could be that handicapped veteran down the road who you know, is from World War II that may need your help. So I would use this time right now. Start talking to your friends again. And I don't mean text messaging. I don't mean FaceTime. I mean FaceTime. Get out face-to-face and talk to people. You know, you, you, had your, you had your meeting over there at your house. You know, I'm sure everybody was within, you know, 10 to 15 feet from each other. Uh, but at least you're out talking. You know, hey, if this happens, what do we do as a community? You know, safety and protection and the ability to, to thrive as a colony always started from within, to protect from without. Now, that's how you get the invaders. The invaders are always coming from without. The opportunists come from within. So not only can you build those networks and relations, but you'll know who the shady people are. You know who the people that are lying through their teeth just to get you to expose to them what kind of goods you have. Uh, so it's constantly a, an intelligence gathering game to me. That's, that's my version. Mm-hmm. That's no, I, I, I agree. Other than shortwave, though, to have wireless communication, assuming the cell phones could go down along with the Internet, are there any other communication devices, specifics that you could recommend? Well, I mean, it, it depends on, you know, where you're at. But in reference to communication, think of this. Your first line defense could be your neighbor up the road. If you live on a property by yourself, surrounded by the woods, kind of like I am, who do I have to rely upon except for my most nearest neighbor? You know, that's, that's how you, you, you spread your family a little wider and a little wider, and your area of operation now goes from your house to your neighbor's house, and you develop that trust. But it's a first-line defense. It's a warning mechanism for you. Now, it's one reason why I have dogs. I don't like alarms. Uh, 
you know, alarms can be pulled with, they can be manipulated with, they can be shut off by the power, or the battery could go out, or, you know, the machinery could just stop. But a dog is going to alert me if it's coyotes, if it's a raccoon, if it's a snake, or if it's a person jogging down the road or someone trying to jump over my fence. My dogs are going to tell me first, and that gives me a couple moments to gather myself to get ready. Uh, and I know some people don't like dogs. Uh, if you're a cat person, I just want to tell you that cats aren't going to help you. <laughs> uh, you know, a, yeah. a cat's probably going to sit there and watch you get beaten. But dogs, because of the pack mentality, will more than likely attack or stand their ground and defend and bark. So that's always a good thing to consider if you're out in a rural area. Uh other than that, man, it's just building a network of people that you can trust. And you can't trust people if you don't know those people. That's and I don't mean I have friends on I don't mean I have friends on Facebook. You know, I want to have stalking people that I actually meet and I communicate with. Okay, here's a magic question. I know FEMA, DHS, and the president came out at differential times about a year ago. And they recommend that everyone have enough supplies to survive for six months. What do you recommend for time frame? And specifically, what are some of the key items that you would recommend having other than what we talked about? Uh, well, I'm going to, I'm going to daisy chain off of Bob Griswold for a second. Um, Two years worth of food is better than six months worth of food. When you're buying food, especially canned food, which is what I suggest a lot of people do, buy canned food. You can warm it up over a fire or in a microwave or an oven. Uh, or you can eat it right out of, right out of the can, too. Uh, canned food will stay good for a couple of years as long as you're checking the expiration dates and you're rotating them out properly. Uh, you're not also, you know, just building stock in your pantry, but it's also something that you can barter with physically. So there's an element of uh, monetary possession in canned food. You know, hey, I need a chicken. Here's 20 cans of black-eyed peas that you didn't have. So, you know, it can be used for that. Uh, but you don't want empty calories. Uh, you know, stocking up on Twinkies and ice cream, and frozen pizzas may sound good to the average college student, uh, but that's bad calories. You want a lot of protein. And I'm going to go completely against everybody's diet and all the famous dietitians that are out there on YouTube. You want starches. You want something with a lot of calories and a lot of nutrients and a lot of protein. Man survived on bread since the beginning. Since the very beginning of the Bible, man has survived on bread, on fruit, on the crops from the field, on meat. If you can purchase those things, great. It helps to be able to produce it yourself. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of rice because rice is such a food extender. Uh, you can add rice to anything. You know, let's say you made a big hobo stew and you just threw everything that you had into the stew, and you happen to have, you know, five or ten people there, well, you can extend that by one cup of stew, one cup of rice. 
it just put a lot of calories back in you. Not only that, but there's also a lot of sugars that are in there, which helps the body. And I'm not talking about white sugar that's poisonous to the body that actually uh, is bad for your immune system. I mean, the type of sugars that can be converted into energy. And I'm not a scientist. I can't break this down uh, like Mike Adams could. Uh, but you, you need stuff that is going to be heavy food, that's going to stick to your ribs, and it's going to make you full. You know, back in the day, in the early frontier times, men used to carry around with them, the, the frontiersmen used to carry around with them tins. And these tins were, you know, the, a, a tin can, and in there, there would be flour and meal, there'd be sugar, some spices, and uh, meat. And whenever they needed to make something, they had their tins filled full of food that's prepared. They just have to make it. You know, after that, all you need is water and fire and then the material to cook it in. And you can have all these same things in your home. You just need it in a, a wider uh, variety of it. Because eventually you're going to get tired of the same food over and over and that's over That's true. Again. Yeah, that's right. You'll habituate to it and you'll even starve to death before you eat more of it. Right. I mean, imagine if you got a house full of kids and they're, they're eating the same MRE every day. That's going to drive me nuts. You're going to start walking around collecting bears so they can have something sugary. So, you know, have something that's good for everybody. And a little bit of sweets picks up the heart. It lifts the heart to have just a little bit of some sort of delicious flavor. You know, butter is going to be a really big one. Uh, butter makes everything better, in my opinion. I put butter in my coffee, on my bread. I put butter in my meat. I put butter. I mean, I use butter for everything. Uh, but these are going to be things that if the economy hits really hard, and like those of us who've just gone through the coronavirus, uh, went to the grocery store, you saw what were some of the biggest commodities that you could not find. You could not find bread, eggs, milk, or butter. But all the frozen foods you could think of were there. When I went down the aisle, every ice cream you could think of was still there and not bought. Oh, by the way, no one bought all the nasty vegan food either. I thought that was hilarious. I'm sitting there going, well, damn, at least the vegans learned how to eat properly. You know, they're, they're, everyone is buying what you need to be full and to feel that caloric intake that you're going to be using throughout the day. You know, a very few people in America knows what it means to toil in the ground, to have to dig, to have to plant, to have to use a wheelbarrow or a sledgehammer. Most of them, will, most people nowadays are very good at sitting on their butts playing with their phone and answering a phone or doing the work on a computer. You know, it's just that the evolution of our society has really shittered us as the survival experts of the world. I would say history is your biggest friend. Learn what the people used to do. Learn what the people in the 1700s and 1800s used to do to make food. How did they use to contain a fire? You know, if you've never started a fire with your hands and you and you have electricity with an electric oven, how are you going to cook that stuff? You know, if you've never thought about that, you need to start thinking about it. And I think survival books are a great way to learn, have that head knowledge, 
because if not, then the world will hurt. Well, I have a solar cooker, <laughs> so I'm in good shape there. I've had it for a long time. Guy with a lot of foresight, the late Bill Pollock, ex-CIA, gave that to me. Wonderful man. Um, I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, talk to me about the pros and cons of having a chicken coop. Okay, so with the chicken coop, you you have the ability to produce eggs and you have chickens. So you can always put your chickens and eat them. You can eventually grow your flock where you have, these are my egg layers, these are the chickens I put aside for butchering. Not only that, food is a barter item. Eggs will become currency someday in this country, like it is in other countries. One day, someone's going to come up to you, I have $100. Can I buy that chicken? Uh, try 200 If you don't believe me, Zimbabwe is a perfect example. And the Rhodesians who were there would <laughs> would hit you in the face if you called it Zimbabwe. But, I mean, they, they had wheelbarrows filled full of money, couldn't buy a loaf of bread. If your currency collapses, it's worth nothing. I mean, are the pennies and quarters and nickels still going to be worth anything? Maybe to some people, but gold and silver always is. And so are eggs. And so are cattle. And so are goats and ducks and chickens, or, you know, rabbits, uh, anything that you can normally think of as an animal that you can eat is going to be worth something. I, I know a lot of guys that I work with that say, oh, well, if it ever happens, I'm just going to take my rifle and my bow and go back in the woods, I'm going to shoot a deer. Well, what happens when you live in a community of 10 or 30,000 people and everyone's shooting a deer? You're eventually going to come in conflict with somebody who says, I want that deer. Well, I shot it first. Well, my gun's pointing at you first. Into the deer. If you don't believe me, that's happening right now across America in grocery store parking lots. And we're not even talking about going into the woods shooting deer yet. What do you know about foreign troop incursions into America or terrorist organizations, cartel organizations, plotting to bring hell on earth like a Tet Offensive all at once? Well, I would say that that has been happening since the Cold War. Uh, our government, even through Operation Northwood, was willing enough to stage an event like that just to be able to go to war with Russia. If you don't believe me, look up Operation Northwood for all you naysayers. Uh, the Chinese have been here for a while. The Russians have been here for a while. The Iranians have been here for a while. The Mexican mafias and cartels are all throughout this country, in every state, probably every city. Not to mention the Italian mafia. Or you have the white supremacy groups or the black supremacy groups. You also have the leftists. You also have the crazy right-wingers, too. Not saying, you know, I'm, I'm right-wing, but you have the extremists on both sides. Uh... You know, there, there are all kinds of groups of people in this country, and they all have their own agendas. And for whatever reason, they all come into the same thing, cause harm to the American people. It doesn't matter what group you're in. Eventually, the end goal is to cause harm to the American people. Now, 
in regards to a place like China, if you think about this militarily, no country on earth can invade America and win. You're just not going to do it. Now, you can nuke America to the point that we're a sea of glass. But why would you destroy the biggest breadbasket in the world with the best deep water port? And you have Mexico to the south and Canada to the north and a lot of oil. A lot of natural resources here in America. You wouldn't want to do that. You would want to preserve it for your people. Russia and China play the long game. What I was told by an Army intelligence officer was that because Russia and China play the long game, for 20 or 30 years they have been waiting for the moment when America is no longer the holder of uh, money. When, when the greenbacks, when the petrol dollar, is no longer worth value, that vacuum will be taken and either China or Russia will take its place. Now, I can't speak too much of Russia, but I know China is communistic as it can get. Artificial intelligence is used against their entire populace. Most of their populace are too afraid to even stand up against them because they can be killed in their homes or on the street, and no one's going to do anything about it because they're communists. When Wei Sing, which you know you and I know very much about, said that he wants to release a biological agent in America to kill the Americans, he wasn't the only one, was he, Dave? No, no, there's been two defense ministers before him. Yeah, I'm going to okay. comment on something. You may not know this because it's kind of outside your, your range of uh, duties, but... I've been told that there is a, a deep state coup that's been ongoing off and on against uh, the present leader of China, and that um, uh, they're behind a lot of the mischief. They're controlling the troops that are here in North America that control the cartels. Do you know anything about this? I'm just taking a wild guess. Yeah. You do? Uh, I would say that it's the same groups that control America. The same groups that control Russia, which I think Vladimir has really put a lockdown on. But it's the same groups in Mexico and South America, you know, all around the world. Uh, and it's something that I'm not the first one to say this. Uh, other platforms have said it many times, exclude yourself. Uh, but there are a global, how would I say this? Uh, I would say a family, but there's a global elitist group that wants nothing more than to control the people of this world. I think it's purely satanic. And, you know, if you haven't noticed, uh, there's always a war on Christ. There's never a war on Buddha. There's never a war on uh, Muhammad. There's always a war on Jesus. And considering the fact that we may or may not be the biggest Christian country in the world, because I believe that the satanic attack, uh, I would say we are always going to be the number one target of it. And it's these same groups that, like, you know, this, God, I hate this guy. George Soros is one of these guys. 
You know, he funds everything that is anti-American. He funds everything that is anti-Christian. And, you know, look at all the stuff that the politicians and the elitists and these mega corporations have poisoned our food, Monsanto. They've poisoned our water. Uh, you know, they've they poisoned the air. They've poisoned the soil. A lot of our products that we use to brush our teeth and put in our hair or even our clothing has pesticides in it. Uh, why wasn't any of this around in the 1800s? It really didn't happen until the Industrial Revolution and the coming of the industrial or military industrial complex. And it seems to have progressed every year. Every year it gets worse and worse and worse, and people get more sick and more sick and more sick. So I would say in my, in my mind that there's a global group of elitists who want to control the people, and I believe what they say. Look at the Georgia Guidestones. No crazy man or fool just so happened to spend as much money as they did to make the Georgia Guidestones just to put it up for the world to go, well, what crazy person would say this? <laughs> Bring the world population down to 500 million so we can control them. This is their agenda. You know, it was Agenda 2020, and now it's Agenda 2030, and then it's Agenda 2050. Uh, I think it's funny in a way that 2030 seems to be this strange date that you're hearing a lot of politicians and global leaders talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and I think it's because they're not ready to unleash the AI, the beast system yet, which I do believe that's going to happen. I do believe in the words of Revelation. I do believe what John Revelator, uh, John Revelator wrote uh, that Jesus showed him. Uh, we will eventually come under a new world organization, the New World Order, which is what, you know, I mean, Reagan talked about it. George W. talked about it. His, his father, George H., uh, talked about it. But they want this new world order so bad, but freedom keeps getting in the way of it. So you can't have what God gives us, which is our ability to have our freedom. You can't have your new world order while people are free. That's why they got to create this prison planet that Alex Jones talks about so much. <laughs> That's why they got to create that fear and panic in order to control us and enslave us. That's my thought, though. Okay, so you've got, basically, they're scaring us into submission. Um, what is your age? Well, what do you think the agencies of the federal government are prepared to do to people who begin to say, enough of the coronavirus quarantines, to hell with you, I'm going to go live my life? Well, I think that's going to happen not at the federal level, not at first. It's going to happen on the micro more than the macro. Uh, you're seeing it right now with the counties, the judges, with the mayors, uh, you know, the checkpoints going around, stopping interstate travel, or even <laughs> travel around your own town. You know, eventually, with any type of national incident management system, they have to request the federal government 
to come in and help. So until until a state invites the federal government to bring their funding online to help that state, it's not going to be the federal government. And I don't think as long as Trump is still in power that it will be the federal government. However, the caveat is if Trump stays in power. Now, if Trump is taken out of power, man, I don't know. It's game on. I know for the the guys on my level, and I won't say what my level is, but those of us who work the street, uh, not the pencil pushers, but those of us who are operationally out on the street, you know, a large majority of us are veterans. A large majority of us are real patriots, and we're no different than anybody else. I had to scram to go buy toilet paper like everybody else. I had to go get baby wipes just like everybody else. I had to go get diapers like everybody else. I had to go get food and gasoline like everybody else. Uh, but there's a stigmatism that's always made about the federal government because of Obama, because of George W. Bush, uh, that made everyone in the federal government look like the jackbooted thugs and the boogeyman. And that, once again, is a psychological warfare uh, game being played on America to turn everybody against everybody. You know, for the longest time, people were anti-cop. For the longest time, people were anti-military. And then 9-11 happens, and, oh, thank you, first responders. Oh, thank you, you know, veterans. And about two to three years later, well, we could care less. And it seems like America rallies around natural disasters. Well, right now, this is being considered a global disaster, and no one's rallying around anybody. Instead, everybody's pointing fingers and acting suspicious. So, Yeah, that's a really yeah, good point. It, but isn't that the goal, to divide and conquer us, to make us easier to conquer? Of course. Of course. There we go about networking and communication again. You don't need to scramble the, the phone line and cut the power whenever you make Americans suspicious of each other. <laughs> take a, take a, a, a room of 20 people, 10 of them watch Fox News, 10 of them watch CNN for an hour. Turn them around and make them face each other. How do you think that interaction is going to go? They're immediately, you're on this side of the fence, I'm on that side of the fence. There's very little in between. There's very little negotiating. There's very little talk going on. It's they're automatically pointing fingers at each other. Well, don't you know that CNN and Fox News is all owned by basically the same conglomerate of people? You know, I I can sh I can tell you that I've watched. Uh, there was a guy on YouTube that made a great video about this, and I'm sure you've seen this. I'm sure you out there listening have seen this, where it's about a hundred different news agencies, and they're Democrats and Republicans, and they're all saying the same exact verbiage about Donald Trump. And you just sit back and laugh and go, wow, this really is 1984. You know, we, we really are yelling at the straw man. Uh, it's very George Orwellian what's going on right now. And, you know, it's, I hate to say it, but it's working. It's working very well. And you'll see it whenever there's a MAGA country and when there's a Bernie Sanders rally. 
you know, people are, or, you know, if you just, if you put Bernie Sanders voters in one end and you put MAGA country in the other and throw some knives on the ground, people are going to pick up knives and the fight's going to start. We're so ready for it as a nation. Now, that's what makes me nervous looking at these politicians lying through their teeth as they're smiling at you saying that they really care for you. You know, I, I'm here to tell you they don't. I've been around them. You know, whenever you watch Congress or the House of Representatives or the Senate, and they're yelling at each other, they go and have lunch with each other afterwards. And then they come back and they yell at each other. And you thought they were mortal enemies. But they're friends on the end. You know, if you are so diametrically opposed to the person that you're yelling at, how can you break bread with that person if this isn't a game? To me, it seems like they just want to stay in power. They want to show you that they're doing something for you. But you're not allowed into the bunkers. Yeah, but you know what's interesting? They'll take the gun out of a law-abiding citizen like me. Okay, in terms of going to school property. But no one else is going to obey those rules if they have evil intentions. It's crazy. Yeah, they'll take the gun out of your hand, but the moment an illegal shoots somebody or kills a car full of kids and the soccer mom, they just get deported. The rules are not set in our favor anymore. And I wish I had the answer. I wish I had the logical answer, not Let's storm Washington, D.C. and arrest everybody because that's, that's not going to happen. Uh, no matter how many times I hear, let's have a million-man march and we'll show up with our gun, that's, you're just going to incite panic. Don't be that person. Uh, I, I still don't have a good idea of how we fix this except for voting. But at the same time, <laughs> voting's rigged half the time. You know, I mean, if that was true, Bernie Sanders would have been the one going against Trump. So it, it's, to me, it seems like for years and years and years, the policies and rules and laws have all been in place to get us to where we are now, to the point that the American people have been neutered by the very small elite in the federal government, who are sponsored by the mega corporations, because at the end of the day, those in Congress and Senate, House of Representatives, you know, that if they could wear a uniform like they do in NASCAR, you'd know who's paying for them. And not very many of them will say American public on it. So I, it's I have concerning. no faith it's in concerning. Yeah, I agree. I, no, I totally agree. It's extremely concerning, and um, I'm not sure there's an answer there. Um, what kind of discussions are you your people having with regard to the supply chain potential chaos? Well, I mean, even on, even on my end, you know, we're telling people, make sure you have supplies. If you don't have supplies, let us know so we can get supplies to you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're at least trying to take care of our own because we're all out working odd hours of the day. Uh, or deployed here to there. Uh, but we're trying to make sure we have our eggs in order because it's not being talked about at the, you know, at the higher up level. But those of us on the ground, 
we know that riots are coming. We know there's going to be another shortage of supply. I am willing to bet you within the next month there'll be another run on guns. There'll be another run on ammo. There'll be another run on the grocery store. So buy everything you can while you can. Not saying, you know, don't pay your mortgage and your truck note, uh, but you need to make sure you're supplied. This virus thing is not over yet. We haven't seen how bad this gets yet. We're not even there yet. Uh, we haven't reached 3,000 deaths yet. And 3,000, I think, is going to be a, a special number for when certain policies start being enforced. Uh, you know, Trump said that he wanted to lift the lift the government and lift the country from this stay-at-home order. Now he just extended it. Well, last week, I watched every time there was a coronavirus update from the task force, and they said, oh, everything's doing good, numbers are looking good. Meanwhile, I've seen the death rate increase, I've seen, I've seen the spread increase. Yeah, sure, people recovering are increasing, but they're still out of work for two to three weeks or lost their job while they were out of work. So we're putting a Band-Aid on a, you know, on a shotgun wound right now, and we're bleeding out. We need to truly apply pressure and stop the bleeding, or this country will bleed out. And I mean that economically. It's going to hit us really hard, Dave. And I think this winter is going to be really, really bad. Uh, I'll echo something Steve Quill said last year to me. The next coming year is going to be like something we have never seen before. And I believed him. I didn't know really where he was going with it, but I know he's a man who talks to God. And, you know, I, I don't think any of us expected this to happen. Uh, if we did, I don't think any of us expected it to happen as bad as it did. But isn't it interesting, when it happened, everyone starts pulling out these books and quotes of, oh, this person said it was going to happen in 2020. Oh, this God. guy in 1980 said it was going to happen in 2020. Waste of time. <laughs> you know, yeah, to me, that's another psychological warfare going on. Wrecker, we're almost out of time, and we could keep going, and this could have been a four-hour interview. <laughs> There's so much to cover here, but uh, we're quickly coming up on our end point. I want to thank you for joining us, and uh, I'd like to give you a final word here, but we don't have time for a final word. Let's just say we've had two hours of advice from an insider, observations from an insider, I would recommend listening and then sharing this with as many people as possible. Wrecker, thank you so much for being so gracious with your time. Very informative. And without us knowing it, I know you've helped a lot of people. Well, I appreciate it, Dave. Everybody, please be careful while this goes on. Okay. Stay safe. And on that note, we got to sign you. off. We are right up against it. We'll see you guys back here next time. Thanks, Wrecker.